All right, folks. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to Nothing But Facts. This is the Safina Society live stream. And we got a bunch of you here already watching. So, assalamu alaikum to you all. And uh, let us begin with our very important and critical partners and sponsors, which are uh, number one, MeccaBooks.com. MeccaBooks.com is the best place for you to get books on uh, aqidah, tasawuf, fiqh. No Maliki fiqh, though. We got to get them the Maliki fiqh books. I think they have like, some general Maliki fiqh books. Like what? I think they have a biography of Imam Malik. The biography of Imam Malik, but nothing. See, the Maliki writers were behind. We need to, uh, we need to get back up uh, uh we need to actually get there. We're not even there. We never even had a tradition in English of, of books, but we're getting there. Next up, if you need a tutor, okay, then your tutor is going to be professors. Did I get it right? Or is it professor? Professors. Professors. One to one.com. Let's say you're with my creation. You need to take the, uh, the MCAT. <laughs> or actually, by now, he should be teaching the MCAT. Okay. Um, or you're somebody who needs to take the SAT. Like you're Yahya or something who needs to take the SATs. Okay. So you need to basically uh, get Professor One to One. Professors One to One.com. Next, you need to support this operation by going to patreon.com backslash Safina Society. And this is how this operation is going to run. So we need your help on that. And Alhamdulillah, we need Allah's help. And Allah can help us through you if Allah chooses you and if you want to be chosen. So if you want to be from the chosen ones, you help us out, inshallah, by becoming a patron and making this happen. As you see, we're already, uh, like, month after month, little improvements. You can see the pictures clearer. We no longer have the tacky StreamYard operations. I despise StreamYard from the beginning, although I paid them a ton of money. Uh, but I never liked their quality. And alhamdulillah, we graduated beyond them, little by little. Okay. Uh, next, you're actually going to, you, you should start studying in your masjid, but also take advantage of stuff online, and that's going to be at arcview.org. Arcview, my Arcview, all of it goes to the same website where you have tons of pre-recorded classes. You can discipline yourself to take 20 minutes a day of classes. You will learn a ton, okay? You will learn a ton. And let's start off with... Um, Hamza Hussein, because he's a special brother, he did have a question. So Hamza Hussein on YouTube, you you get to start your question before we get into the Shama'il, which and today we're covering that hadith of the sleep of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So right, uh, so Hamza Hussein, go ahead. Tafadl. I've heard that Imam Malik was asked, "Who are the best people after the NBA?" Um, okay, and he said. Abu Bakr, Omar, Uthman. Yes. Where's the question there? It's more of a statement. <laughs> uh, that's a statement, yeah, Hamza. Oh, okay. But also, that's not, that's not the only statement from Imam Malik. He said, why did he stay silent after that? I'll tell you why. Why did... No, it's... No. There are many statements from Imam Malik on this. And one of them was that he said that he's never seen from the imams of Medina... Anyone make a preference between Uthman and Ali? 
That's one of his statements. The other statements was that he did not make preference. And the original, uh, in, the, in the beginning, there was no concept of the imams, of Ahl sunnah listing who is the best of the Sahaba. There was no such concept. Until the Shia came around, then they had to have an answer for that. You understand? So how did they have an answer? They, the premise of Ahl sunnah is that we, from the Tabi'in onwards, non-Sahaba, Cannot, cannot ever make a statement about who is the best of the Sahaba. Only the Sahaba could do that. If the Prophet didn't do it, then we leave it to the Sahaba. They could judge themselves. And what's the only objective measure? Are we going to judge because we feel like, oh, I like him, I like her? No. The only objective measure was their ijma. And they had an ijma upon. Sayyidina Abu Bakr as their Khalifa, at a time when the Sahaba, that generation, never separated between political competence and piety. Prophet said, there will come a time when the sword and the Qur'an split, which means you're going to have rulers and you're going to have the righteous, and they're going to be split. Okay, Which means that at that time it wasn't. The Prophet said, it is upon you, to follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafa. So therefore, the Prophet himself points to the khulafa as the rightly guided. All right. So that's the only objective measure that Ahl sunnah when the scholars looked at it, and they said the only objective measure is the ijma' of the sahaba. And the sahaba had ijma' upon Abu Bakr. And they had the ijma' upon Sayyidina Umar and Sayyidina Uthman and Sayyidina Ali. So we, non-sahaba, from Tabi'in onwards, have no comment at all grading the Sahaba. How can you grade people greater than you? Only if the Prophet said, and the Prophet did not make a statement that was categorical, the most greatest of you. But this is something that came in the Aqidah because the Shia came and made a statement like that, forcing Ahl sunnah to respond. And so their only response is of what the Sahaba agreed upon. And they agreed upon Abu Bakr, and then Umar, then Uthman, then Ali. And then there was, from that the beginning time, a split or a difference on who is super, uh, uh, more virtuous. In other words, who has more qualities, more good qualities. Is it Sayyidina Ali or Sayyidina Uthman? And Man Malik did not like to get into that. And therefore, there, was, there is a statement from him that says he had never heard from a pious imam separate between the two. Okay? And then after that, it's the ten who are guaranteed paradise, with no order in particular. Okay? Now, we list them in order of the order of... of how they came into the garden. Because if you understand the hadith of the ten guaranteed paradise, it's that the Prophet ﷺ said the next ten people to enter this garden are guaranteed paradise. So I believe it was either Anas ibn Malik or Abu Hurairah who went outside and waited and was hoping you know, for certain people of his relatives to come in. So I think it was Anas ibn Malik because Abu Hurairah didn't have relatives in Medina. So... And then Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali came, and then Sa'ad, Sa'id, Talha, Zubair, Abdurrahman, Abu Ubaid ibn al-Jarrah. They came in, in that order. And that's how we have that hadith. Okay? That the Prophet told, I believe it was Anas, stand outside this gate, and the first ten people to come in, give them the glad tidings of paradise. So now you might think to yourself, well, isn't that random? Just ten people? It's not like that. It's as if the Prophet was told the next 10 people to enter, Allah will send you the 10 guaranteed paradise. So those are considered the elect of the Sahaba. Then after that, the Muhajireen. 
the people who made the hijrah. Then after that, from the Ansar, the Ansar who attended Badr, then attended Uhud, then everyone who attended everyone who attended Uhud, then everyone who attended Khandaq, then everyone who attended the oath of allegiance at Ridwan, because they were almost going to get killed there. It's a very tense moment. And they made the, the deal to go back to Medina and come back the next year for the Umrah. Then everyone who attended the Fatah of Mecca. Then everyone who attended the Hajj with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And that's that, that's how the Sahaba are considered virtuous. Because the more you attended with the Prophet, the more virtuous you were. Those are different virtues and blessings that you were witness to. So that's how. So we do not d- determine who are the greatest of the Sahaba. It's the Sahaba, either the Prophet sallallahu or the Sahaba. And we have from the Quran uh, in Surah in it's just number twenty-eight. Surah Al-Hashr, which says, mentions the Muhajireen, then the Ansar, and then those who came after them, after the conquest of Mecca. Three general categories. Why? Because the Muhajireen sacrificed everything possible to be sacrificed. They lost their wealth, their homes, their safety, their security, everything. The Ansar did not have to sacrifice their city or their homes, but they did have to sacrifice that they're waging war on the entirety of Arabia. That's a problem. Then the, those who came after the battle, uh, after the conquest of Mecca, didn't have to sacrifice anything. They joined the winning uh, team, essentially, the winning uh, party. So they didn't have to make any sacrifice, but they do have the companionship of the Messenger. Make sense? So this is an ijma' of the ulama al-ahl sunnah that came after the time. It was, is not the same as the ijma' of other things. It's an ijma' that the ulama came to by ijtihad. So that's why uh, it is part of Aqidat Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah to hold that these four are the greatest of the prof, uh, Sahaba, most virtuous of the Sahaba. They have the most virtues. All right, today we're going to read, let us read from the Shema'il of the Prophet and talk about sleep. And the reason we're going to talk about sleep is that, well, number one, it's a chapter in the Shema'il. But number two, I think it's one of the things that have messed up modern societies. And a lot of the youth are, um, I don't think they, there are youth out there that have never slept well. So in the same way that fitness is like a big deal, people talking about fitness all the time, people talking about social justice all the time. But you notice people never talk about health, the sleep hygiene, right? And I think a lot of delusions, a lot of insanity, a lot of, a lot of being a little bit off, inability to focus, a little bit moody, even depression. A lot of it has to do with sleep. Now, you take any random person, you say, listen, from now on, you're, from, for the next 40 days, you're going to sleep. I'm going to put you in, into your room at 9, and lights out are going to be at 10. Okay? And you're lucky when I'm going to take all your phones and everything. And you tell that person, every day you're going to take a one-hour walk in the sun. And you're not going to have any sugars. Okay? And you're, let's say it's a Muslim, you say you go to the mosque once a day. I guarantee you the mental health of this person is going to be through the roof. The emotional health is going to be through the roof. Okay. And you're going to sit for an hour every day and you're just going to sit with your family and eat dinner. Okay. I really think 100% this person will be a completely transformed human being. Guaranteed. Completely transformed. This is what basic health is all about. Okay. And so we all talk about food, health related to food. We all talk about... um, uh, technology, we talk about technology a lot, but sleep is something we never really talk about. Okay, so let's look at Hadadna Qutayb ibn Sa'id, 
هو بشير بن معاذ قال حدثنا أبو عوانة عن زياد بن علاقة عن المغيرة ابن شعبة مغيرة بن شعبة زبيك صحابي صلى رسول صلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حتى انتفخت قدماه The Prophet used to pray tahajjud night prayers okay, until his feet were swollen. فقيل له أتتكلف هذا وقد غفر الله لك ما تقدم من ذنبك وما تأخر So many typos in this book. Uh, are you doing all this and Allah has forgiven you all of your past and future sins? Now what are the past and future sins? The sins of a Prophet is to do something good when he could have done something better. That's the sins of a prophet. Okay. Uh, Allah says in the Quran, command your people to take with what is better. All right. Now, ahsan is the super, super, uh, superlative, what is better. All right. Um, that means, so what do you mean what's better? The Quran is good and better. What is good and better? It's what is a good application and understanding of something and a good way out and a good path to Allah, then there is a better path to Allah. Okay? So Allah is commanding the prophets to always take what is better. So, result of that is that what is considered the wrong action of a prophet is do something good when he could do something better. So it's not our type of wrong action, which is an actual sin. Prophets, I said, do not have that. Okay. Okay, so, Prophet, I said, said, أَفَلَا أَكُونَ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا should I not be a grateful, thankful servant? Oz, why don't you sit with us and join us? Who's coming? Faizan. Munshi? Faizan Ahmed? Okay. And who? Hadi? Who's Hadi? Runner? Yeah. All right. Who? Armand. Ammar. Oh, Ammar is coming with his shaved head, mashallah. So you understand that the Prophet Sallallahu he has reached and received the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much that he has reached a maqam of shukr where all he wants to do right now is give gratitude to his Lord. Even with great amount of sacrifice, he wants to uh, be in a state of shukr. And this will come to a person if they submit themselves. When you submit yourself to Allah properly, you practice your fiqh properly, properly, and you do it over time. Allah will judge over time it's not something you do in a weekend trip or one month trip. Okay? Something over time. When Allah decides that you've done it right and you've done it to the degree that He wants, then your will will align with what Allah has destined for you. You will desire things that already Allah has destined for you so your, your du'a will all be answered and your dreams will come true. This is something Shaykh Abu Bakr Sudan he mentioned he said that there's a maqam of submission. When your submission is, is strong and sound, your heart will naturally desire things that Allah has already written for you. So it will appear to you, and it will be, that your dreams have come true. right? So much so that you will want, you reach a stage where you will say to Allah, this is enough. All I want to do from now on to the end, until I die is be grateful. Yet Allah will still keep giving you, and keep giving you, and keep giving you. So that's that's the that's one of the the 
reasons why we're on the spiritual path. Who would not want to live like that? Who would not want to reach a point where Allah has given them everything that they could have? Sometimes you're in such a ghafla, you don't even know what you want. And Allah Ta'ala will give it to you, give you and open the, your eyes to what you're truly looking for in life and give it to you. And then you will have so much that all you want to be is Abdan Shakura. So the Prophet Sallallahu used to sleep in the first portion of the night and then he would wake up for different lengths of tahajjud. Different lengths. Sometimes very long and sometimes uh, middle, middle range and sometimes shorter tahajjuds. And very rarely did he sleep through the tahajjud. For example, if he was extremely exhausted on a journey or if it was maybe one of the battles. Okay. But there were times when the Prophet slept. Why? Because to show us, in a sense, that... Uh, that's not sinful. Right. Next hadith is An Abi Salama An Abi Hurairata Qala. Remember, Huraira is prohibited from sarf because it's from the feminine formed words. Muawiyah, those that's one of the forms of what is prohibited from sarf. What is prohibited? It's limited in the grammar that it can uh it can reflect. So we cannot reflect the kasra. It reflects Jar, okay, the genitive case by the fatha. Okay. So an Abi Salamata Salama An Abi Hurairata both it's not Mamnu'a min sarf it's really Mamnu'a min sarf al Kamil. It's prohibited from complete sarf. Okay. It doesn't receive all of the short vowels, it can only receive it cannot receive a kasra. Except in poetry, you're allowed to have poetic license to give kasra to, to Mamnu'a min sarf. That's why you'll see Omar in in some poetry. Yeah. Poetry has its own rules. Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam yusalli hatta tarima qadama. His 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 feet would be swollen. Okay. Prophet sallallahu feet would be completely swollen. All right from uh, from tahajjud. But before he would sleep, and the reason that he would naturally wake up, one of the reasons that people naturally wake up for Tajit is they do a, a long amount of dhikr before they sleep. Before they go to sleep, they do some dhikr. And the Prophet ﷺ used to do a, a strong amount of dhikr before sleeping. Right? One of the adhkar that he used to say is that if a person says, Three times that the Prophet will be his intercessor on the Day of Judgment. Okay. عن البراء ابن عازب أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان إذا أخذ مضجعه وضع كفه اليمنى تحت خده الأيمن. He used to, Prophet used to pray his chest facing the Qibla. And he, you guys, you can sit here. And he would uh, put his right hand and sleep on his right hand. Okay. And sleep on his right side. Okay. And he would say, Rabbi qini adabaka yawma tab'athu ibadak. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, guard me from your punishment. Okay, walk in front of the camera, no problem. <laughs> Had he run a, new, a newbie in the studio, walks right in front of the camera, no, no problem at all. Okay. okay, so he used to say, Oh Allah ta'ala, forgive me your punishment on the day that you resurrect your worshippers. So why does he say this? Because sleep is like death. And the default of sleep, if you notice in the Quran it states, the default of sleep is that uh, you're going to die. 
but some people, their souls come back. Okay. So the word wafa, the word wafa, it means sleeping and it means death. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Sayyidina Isa, and this is a response to anyone who deals with the Qadianis, because the Qadianis are obsessed with this verse. Okay. Inni mutawafika wa rafi'uka ilayya. That mutawafika, which we said, the dominant usage of that word is to die, to take you, to take you, as in death. But the secondary meaning of it is also to make you sleep. The Quran uses that word al wafa, okay, to mean sleep as well. In both cases, so the word means we will we will give you wafa, and we will raise you, resurrect, raise you up to us. So the Qadianis, they want to point out that Jesus died. This is part of their thing. So they say that they use this verse. That Allah has made you die and then raised you up. Well, why would he need to raise you up if you're dead? Why would you be like everybody else when you died? So what's unique? Nobody, every, everyone's soul goes up uh, to the barzakh after they die. So why would, what is the value of saying that? The meaning is that the, 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 the mutawafika here means we are making you have a deep sleep and in that deep sleep, that's where your body's resurrected. So, uh, I mean, raised up to the heavens. So Sayyidina Isa was not raised up to the heavens while awake. Like the Isra and Ma'raj of the Prophet he was raised up to the heavens while in a deep sleep. Go to Tafsir al-Baghawi for the proof of that. Okay. إِنِّي مُتَوَفِّيكَ وَرَافِعُكَ إِلَيَّ I'm making you fall into a deep sleep and then raising your body up to us. All of us when we sleep, our, our souls go up somewhere. It could be in this world or beyond that. But they're still connected to the body. When, you, when someone moves your body and wakes you up, your soul immediately comes back down that quickly. So the idea that your soul, that his soul only is going up is not a big deal. Like what would be the big deal about that? Okay, that's not a, we all have that. If he had died completely and his soul goes up to the barzakh, we all do that too. So no big deal there. So the meaning of the verse is we are making you have a deep sleep and then we are lifting, lifting your body up to us. Okay. So that's the meaning of that verse. And so the Prophet ﷺ refers to death as connected to sleep when he says sleep is the little brother of death. Right. And that's why the best time for hisab, like what is my what, what am I doing with my life? And pretending that you're actually being descending into your grave is when you sleep. This is the best thing to do. When a person goes to sleep, those few minutes before you're falling asleep, you're imagining yourself moving to the akhirah and then getting your reward. You have to imagine yourself getting your reward, otherwise you won't work. Human being only works because he's afraid of a punishment or he wants a reward. And then when he evolves into from those states is when he um, actually receives his, some portion of his reward in this world Right. They get their good reward in this life before the next life. Then he becomes completely Abdan Shakura. All he wants to do is worship Allah for the sake of Allah and for, out of gratitude. Okay, but he's got to go through the phases first of fear, and then, and then, and then uh, the reward of this life, and then he gets his um, uh, state. He's in a state of pure gratitude and love. Okay. Next one is that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at his in his sleep in his uh, he would say Allahumma bismika amutu wa ahya Oh Allah in your name I die and I wake up 
So sleep being a little a little version of death. It's a little version of death. And the reason that tahajjud is so powerful is that when you sleep, you wipe away all your memories. Like everything's wiped away when you sleep. Okay? And everything is completely cleaned off. So you wake up completely refreshed. And usually, if your heart is clean, the inspiration that you get, the thoughts that you get are usually angelic thoughts. And maybe even divine thoughts. The angelic thoughts, there's a choice. You receive the thought and you choose to follow it. The thought that's from Allah is this is the strength of iman and belief. And that thought, you can never turn it away. So anytime a person enters in his thoughts that this is true, this deen is haq, this prophet is haq, that's a thought from Allah Ta'ala. Right? Any thought that is, let me make this dua, let me make this ibadah, let me make this salah, it's a choice. I could do it, I could not follow. Wake up, get up, go make wudu. That's from angels. And it's something you can accept or not accept. And then if you receive them many times, it eventually comes from yourself. So yourself, your own nafs, will be a good nafs. You have to have a nafs. People think the nafs is always bad. How is the nafs bad? The nafs is you, right? So it means you're bad. And it could be. If your nafs gets used to doing something bad, then you always follow it and you become bad. All right, next hadith says, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِذَا أَوَى إِلَى فِرَاشِهِ كُلَّ لَيْلَةٍ he would get he would put his palms up like this he would recite and and then he would blow in his hands and wipe whatever he could reach of his body okay so what is that why would why would people do that okay um, because the prophet is basically saying the breath in which you recite dhikr is different and some of that nur you're basically transmitting into your palms and wiping it onto your body right. Isra is asking if the Mi'raj was asleep no the, the Mi'raj was in the wakeful state and the messenger peace be upon him his sleep was different from our sleep in that the prophets they, they didn't have to make wudu from sleep right they, but he did it out of showing us that he had to. Because there was an incident in which the Prophet was seen getting up and making wudu, uh, praying without making wudu. Now, that could have been a light sleep, right? But uh, that's also a proof of something the Madagiyah say, which is khasais in nubuwa. That there are certain things specific to the Prophet, right? Whereas the Shafi'i say, no, everything the Prophet does is a sunnah for us. Right, but then what about I don't know what they say about wisada sum, fasting one day after another after another without ever breaking the fast. That's obviously qasaya sunnubuwa. It's also why we don't do salah janaza upon al ghaib. Why, if someone dies, let's say anywhere, the first Muslim town next to that person are the ones who do janaza upon that person. That's it. Why? Because otherwise we would enter into a, a situation where we're picking and choosing who to do Salat al-Janazah upon. So if we open the idea of Salat al-Ghaib, the Janazah in absentia, then, and then we do it for like a famous sheikh, well then what if I want to do it for my grandma? What if my grandfather died in, in Pakistan or in Cairo or wherever? Like Then we'd be doing it all day. It would be a haraj. 
So Allah has lifted it and, and, and the Salat Janazah is only on the nearest town. Or the first people to hear about him. So let's say someone dies in an ocean. The first town or where the person's going to be buried. Let's say they're going to bring the body back to that town. That's where they pray Janazah upon him. So the idea that the Prophet prayed Salat al-Ghaib or Janazah in absentia upon the king of Ethiopia is because he was a secret Muslim and Sayyidina Jibreel told him. Because there was no one else to pray upon him. And Sayyidina Jibreel is not telling anyone else who's a secret Muslim after the Prophet, peace be upon him, that you'd have to pray Janazah upon. So that's something that's definitely specific only for the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay. Question? question, go ahead. When? And, and we're going to take Q&A early today because I, I leave at 3 today. Right, this is just a question for me. When the Prophet sallallahu during the Meccan period sent the, some of the Sahaba over to Ethiopia, was the leader a secret Muslim at that time? No, when the, uh, when the Prophet sent the Sahaba to Ethiopia, they were not secret Muslims. Uh, no, he was, he was not, he, yeah. sorry, he was not a secret Muslim. He was Christian. Yeah. Only after interacting with those Sahaba, he entered Islam. Yeah, secretly. And the way he entered Islam was something called, we call Tawriya. Tawriya is the concept, the idea that you say that something that you know, they will misunderstand. But it is true. Both ways it's true. So for example, uh, there was a way of Tawriya that was people used to do that sort of discouraged, because it's not really necessary, where if they were, someone knocked on the door, and I don't, I don't want to talk. So what they would do is, they would draw a circle on the sand, let's say the guy's wife. He would draw a circle in the sand. And behind the door, she would point to that circle and say, he's not here. So she knows he's going to understand he's not in the house, but she technically is not lying because he's not in that circle. Things like that. But tawriya is only appropriate for a Muslim to do if there's a serious need. Not constantly doing tawriya and lying. In college? Like what? Uh, about it's just, if, if it's about you skipping your classes and doing nothing but facts, yeah, that's fine. Because <laughs> we all know that Ryan hasn't been to class since we started nothing but facts. He doesn't go to class. Sometimes he took class on the stream. As long as they're not classes where people will be, uh, you know, chopped up in surgery and stuff like that. If it's uh, civil planning and where you're going to put the trees and stop signs, no problem. Actually, uh, I had a friend in England. He was in that field, and he said. It, where to put the traffic signs was huge debates, right? Like, how, how far do you put a traffic sign? Because it's all subjective of how people's experience of driving. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِذَا عَرَّسَ بِلَيْلٍ إِطَّجْعَ عَلَى شِقِّهِ الْأَيْمَنِ If you want to sleep at night, he'd go on his right side. وَإِذَا عَرَّسَ قُبَيْلَ subhi, And if he would sleep slightly before Fajr, نَصَبَ ذِرَاعَهُ وَضَعَ رَأْسُ عَلَى كَفَّيْهِ Okay, um... He would also he would sleep on his arm. Okay. Now check this out. That the um, uh, too. Uh, there's differences in fiqh on what breaks your wudu in the Maliki Madhab. It's not about how you sleep, whether you sleep on your side or otherwise. It's not about that. It's about light or heavy. Light sleep never breaks your wudu, and light sleep is divided into two. Light and short doesn't break wudu. Light and long, it's just recommended to make wudu. But the Shafi'iyah, they go by uh, if you're sitting down, because for them, they deem it like it's impossible to lose your wudu if you're sitting down. If you're in a sitting position, it's impossible to accidentally pass gas. 
So they view it as not light and heavy, but sitting or laying. And the Hanafiya, I don't know what their ruling is. Sitting or laying down? Like this. Who sits without leaning? Who's, how do you sleep without you leaning? Yeah, that's like 2% of the... Yeah, that's the only way right? that you would do it when it breaks. Nope, nobody uh, sleeps like that. They got a 10-hour play that brought back from Saudi Arabia. They woke up after 10 hours and still would do it. Oh my God, <laughs> subhanAllah. Uh-huh. The Prophet ﷺ was not asleep during Isra and Ma'raj. The Prophet ﷺ was in the wakeful state for the entire Ma'raj. Okay. He was in the wakeful... Yes, Tafazza. Um... Is uh, facing the qibla while you sleep also? Is Your enough? chest to face the qibla. Right. Is is Aziz mic on by the way? Probably not. Okay. Yeah, I'll just speak loudly. Yeah. Uh, the Prophet peace be upon him's uh, chest facing the qibla. That's the sunnah. Chest facing the qibla. Is it sinful to sleep on your left side? It's or not sinful. Sleep, or what no. about on your stomach? On the stomach, you should not sleep on your stomach. That's karahiyah. Why? Because iblis is sitting. Was. On the stomach with the anus to the heavens, his butt facing the heavens. So that's why in next gen, anytime I see this kid sleeping like laying down like that, I kick. Yeah, I just kick him straight. Give him a kick, right? So left side is not. Left side, yeah, uh, it's not the sunnah, but it's not makru in the in the way that sleeping on your stomach is. And plus, when you sleep, aren't you always turning? Because and you have to turn when you sleep for your blood flow. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says about Surah Al Kaf, those youth, Allah Taala turned them. Right? He didn't say that they turn themselves. Right? Right? To the right and left. Number one, so that if you notice in that surah, it was meant so that their skin still received sunlight. Otherwise, they would be like sick. Yet again, um, uh, he nourished them. Allah Ta'ala nourished them. All right. the ulama have written, it is a thing that should be pondered upon that after dying in this manner, on the day of Qiyamah, one will be given life again. Okay, so in the same way that you're totally knocked out in this life and then you wake up, this is a small example that you will one day be dead and be waked up and wake up. So death is a metaphor of sleep, just as winter. It's, I mean, uh, uh, sleep is a metaphor of resurrection. And winter is a re- metaphor of resurrection. So Allah Ta'ala, when he tells us, when, when a prophet comes and tells us, you're actually, this is the first part of your existence, you're going to pass out of this existence and go to another existence. We're, we're seeing so many signs of it every day. Every day you sleep and you wake up. Every year all the trees die and they come back. Bears hibernate and come back. I, do you ever think of the insect population of New Jersey? Where do they go? Right? They wiped out every winter. Every blizzard, every single mouse, rat, cockroach, cricket. You don't see a single cricket in the winter, right? Are they hibernating or what? They don't hibernate. They're completely wiped out. But where are they? Like, how does this work exactly? Does anyone ever study this? Insectology? I think the the mice stay alive. I think they migrate. Okay. So the whole population would migrate to a warm area? Just, I just took a shot in the dark here. Yeah, I, I mean, know, is anyone here study insects? Is anyone here involved in uh, the study of insects? Which is what? What is that? This Entomology. Entomology. Okay. Is anyone here into entomology? 
if you're in Canada, if you're in America, anywhere in North America, and you get like two, three blizzards. You know where they go? They go into my basement. That's where I go. <laughs> They're in our, our homes, right? <laughs> but yeah, the mice, the, yeah, and I don't actually don't mind mice. They're cute, but their droppings are not good. But fine, mice, let's say they can go into homes or whatever. But all the insects in the world, they are completely, they cannot survive this winter in, in, in our town, let's say, in Buffalo, New York, or something like that. How in the world are they existing in the spring? Are they coming from, like, South Carolina? Right? Where are they coming from? So, um, if there is an entomologist out there, uh, Cozy Chloe, she says it's a rare ask. Well, now you got a job. You look it up for us on Google and let us know, please. Because I'm sure Google has eliminated all these debates. You can probably get the answer. Um, and that'll be, like, the one entomology view <laughs> right, for the month on their website for the year. But it is a good question, right? Like, where do they go? That's why I like living where there's winter. Because where there's winter, you're, you're constantly resetting the insect world. Whereas in Australia, Florida, Texas, all these places, the insect world, they get to thrive year-round, and they get bizarre stuff, like insects that are huge, lizards, all sorts of things, because the winter doesn't clear it all out. And that's why you can count on your fingers the, the pests that we have in New Jersey. You can, if you're really dirty, you get cockroaches. That's a sign that you're dirty, okay? But you'll get, if your garage door is open, you'll get an, uh, a grasshopper or a cricket in your garage a couple times in the summer. I have no problem with that. It's fine. They create a mood. Crickets for me, I don't mind them. They're not bad creatures, right? The cockroach is a sign you're dirty. Spiders, r- normal spiders, right? Basement spiders. We don't get what they get in Florida, what they get in these places. Australia, tarantulas, common thing, Right? Snakes, they all die, wash them out in the winter, right? Snakes, these little gar- we get these little garden snakes. Again, sign that you're not clean, that you don't rake, that you don't take care of your garden. If you get snakes, I went, we once uh, uh, got a house, and the guy, the owner, the previous owner, he was an unclean man, right? And he used to mow his own lawn. He was a cheapo. He didn't get a lawn operation, right? That everyone does, gets lawn uh, cutters these days. Right, because they do a better job, and who has time to cut lawns? You ever wondering, like at art? I don't know if you remember this, but in my generation, there was no such. We had a huge lawn. There was no such thing as getting someone to do your lawn. That's lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? You woke up every other Saturday morning from spring onwards. Every other Saturday, you wake up, you have your breakfast, you go cut the lawn. I liked it, right? You go cut the lawn, and then you take the droppings, and there is always a spot. Either you have to bag it. Or we had a woods next to us, throw it in the woods, right? Now, this guy used to do his own lawn and throw it in his own backyard. No brains. So when we got the house and we just raked a little bit to clean up, snakes everywhere, right? Snakes, because he's an unclean person. So we get ants, no problem with ants. Unless they come in the house, that's a problem. Bees, we get the the usual stuff. You go down to Florida... Australia, all these sunny places, and they get the nastiest type of insects. That's why I wouldn't want to live in those places, right? To me, the winter is really important. It washes all these insects out. And also, we get a really good amount of, of cloud, a perfect amount of cloudiness. Maximum we'll get is 36 hours of clouds. Maximum, right? We're not going to get four, like three, four days straight of clouds. So you're never going to be depressed. But you're going to get enough cloudiness to appreciate the sun. 
right? Like you really appreciate the sun in New Jersey, but you get a lot of it because we get clouds randomly, right? At a decent percentage. You go to England though, life in England, okay? You get, if the sun comes out, you take off work. People leave work early if the sun comes out, right? You wake up every day, I hope it's sunny out, I look out the window, it's gray. It's gray. Probably 96 times out of 100, wake ups in the morning, it's gray. What happens? Your personality changes. You just become hopeless, right? You become hopeless of the sun. And you become, that's why all these British writers had all these huge novels, because they're all depressed. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. So except write a long novel. Russians, Tolstoy, yeah. long. That's why their humor is so dry too. Yeah, their humor is so dry because... There's your there has no sun for you to laugh, right? So, if ever I had to go to uh, uh, if ever I had to go to uh, a European country, it, I wouldn't go to Europe at all. Uh, I'd go to Italy. Well, Europe is Italy, but I wouldn't go to Northern Europe or Western Europe. I'd go to Italy. The sun is always out in Italy. The sun is so out, it's fried their brains. They're semi crazy, right? Like the Arabs, right? It's fried their brains that they're so moody they don't think, right? The, in Sicily. Up in the north, Italy, uh, they're, um, they're, they got they're different. They're Sicily, right? Madikia? Historically, historically the Madikia are, are all in Sicily, are from Sicily, historically speaking, all the Malachites. Because, uh, well, how did, how did Madikia fiqh get to Sicily? Asad ibn Furat. Okay. He went to Abdurrahman bin Qasim and he gathered the knowledge of Madikia, came back and he um, spread his book. It's called Al Asadiyya. Then, okay, Sahnoon, a younger than him, goes to Abdurrahman bin Qasim, rereads the Asadiyah to him, okay, and he says, no, 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 fix things, change things. I don't like this way, this word, comes back, right, with his own book, Mudawwanat Sahnoon, okay, and he says, uh, announcement from Abdurrahman bin Qasim, Madik's chief student, leave the Asadiyah and take this book. So Asim bin Furat gets upset. He gets upset and he says, I'm out of here. Okay? I'm not going to be uh, overtaken by this upstart, right? This young man. So he goes to the Amir and he says, Give me some people and send me to see, send me, uh, take over a city or something. That's what they did when they were upset back in the old days. Okay? <laughs> Wish we could have those days back. And he goes and takes over Sicily. And he becomes the Amir of Sicily. And they rule there for 100, 500 years. The name Scully means Sicily. Sicilian. Yeah. All right. So, so they were there from the beginning, all the way from the beginning of the from like the beginning of the Madiq school. The One beginning l- of the Muslim Ummah, pretty much as well, right? As said, Mufrat met Madiq too. He met Madiq for a short period of time. Then he took his the knowledge from Madiq's student. So that makes him from the fourth generation, right? Because Madiq's third generation. All right. So we have some answers here about this insects, this entomology question that we said. Okay. Um, okay, so grown up has, he says, they half freeze and they drop in metabolic state. Okay, uh, Ibrahim Junaid says most of them are eggs or larvae in the winter, so they become adults in the spring. All right, good answers. Okay, so who? Cozy Chloe says insects during the winter months undergo a state in which their growth, development, and activities are suspended temporarily 
with a metabolic rate that is high enough to keep them alive. So they're in a basic... It's like a hibernation. Like death, almost like death. It's like a death, yeah. yeah. It's like coma. So, uh, Maham Masood, are you making fun of us in England? I'm feeling sorry for you. Yeah, the, 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 the winter is good for lowering the gaze, though. Because everyone at least gets dressed. But nowadays, with the yoga pants... Uh, please. God created something called pants. Everyone's in yoga pants these days. All right, Cozy Chloe says, Many insects and amphibians rely upon what's called freeze tolerance. They're cold-blooded, I guess, right? They can tolerate being frozen through the winter. So it requires the organism to freeze half of its body and cut down on metabolic practice. Thank you for cutting and pasting that. Okay. All right, so that's the answer, see? Now listen, if you get seasonal depression, there's a little screen that you can buy for 30, 40 bucks on Amazon. You turn it on, and while you're having breakfast for 15, 20 minutes, you just let that light shine on you. I haven't tried it, but people swear by it. It'll give you, I guess it tricks your brain that you're getting the nutrient that you, you need. You heard about this? Yeah. Seasonal uh, something. Effective. Affected. Depressed. Effective or if, disorder. Okay. Sad. And they were so happy when they were able to coin that name, <laughs> right? <laughs> to find that, that thing. Okay. So um, it's, a, it's like a size of an iPad, but with a stand. You just put it while you're eating your breakfast or doing the first chores in the morning. And all of a sudden you'll feel, I don't know, that, I'm going to test it. Well, maybe you got a cheap one. You, you got to get, when you do stuff, I learned over time, the, uh, the thrill of paying a good price it goes away when you realize you got junk, right? So I'm actually going to try it out. I'm not a fan of unnatural things because you can't, it doesn't last, right? But I'm going to give it a shot. Every sickness, the Prophet said, every sickness has a remedy. So maybe they did find a remedy for this. All right. Um, let us now turn to your Q&A on the topic. Muhammad does said it doesn't work, but what, what brand did you get? So that we don't get it, right? Maybe you got a cheapo brand. And maybe there's a brand that's much better. All right, comments and questions. Um, what do we got on the sleep of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam? And let me tell you something, that there was a period of time in which um, I really was not knowledgeable or educated on the issue of sleep. You should listen to this, because when you're young, you can overcome this. But at a certain period of time, when you have more responsibilities, you can't because the daytime will force you to be awake. So what used to happen is around 10 o'clock, everyone would go to sleep in my house. I would be like, all right, this is my time now. and make a nice, deep cup of coffee. You know that UK mug I have? And I would drink that. And that would keep me up going until about 3 in the morning. When I, if I have a cup of coffee, personally speaking, it's 6, 7 hours. It keeps me up. And I would sleep around 3 o'clock in the morning. And I would type books. All those Oedem books, they were all typed at that period of time. And then uh, I would sleep. And I had a computer that had no internet on it, no distractions. All I had was the this, this software for hadiths and Quran and tafsirs and books like that. It's called Shamila. They used to have a software. And I would just read all night reading and typing. 3 o'clock around sleep, 5.30, wake up for Fajr. And then whenever it was my day to take the kids to school, take them to school, Right, come back, sleep again a little bit, and then go about the day. But I found myself 
falling asleep all the time to the point that I was like, I think I got narcolepsy. I got some kind of disease, right? So I went to my doctor and he said, How do you, what's your sleep habit? I have a really good primary doctor, mashallah. He's really good. Um, he's, I said, you know what I do? I perk up around 10. I sleep at 3, 30, 3.30. And then I'm up for fudge. And then I'm up again for the morning. And I take another nap. He said, this is the reason you have a problem. Because from 10 to 1 is when your brain releases. What is it? Didn't you take the MCAT and get 99%? Or melanin or melatonin? Melanin is in the skin, so it's going to be melatonin, right? How? They didn't ask you this in the MCAT? You know, you remember it for a short period of time and then... Short-term memory. Yeah, everything just... I thought there were things that I thought I'd never forget and then now I just okay. have no idea. <laughs> I got two doctors here. This is how doctors are in I got two doctors here. You ask a doctor any of these basic questions, they're not going to know. My gosh. So... Uh, it's mel- it's mel- melatonin is in the skin. No, melanin is in melanin the skin. Melanin is in the skin. Melatonin is in the brain. Yeah. So melatonin is what's released. He said from what is in our times like 10 to 1. That went rough window because obviously our biological clocks does not go by the 12-hour clock, 24-hour clock. goes by the sun. So we say roughly, roughly 10 to 1. Sleep at that time, that hour. Probably in the winter it's earlier, in the summer it's later, right? And roughly we're talking basically sometime after Aisha. So he said, if you sleep at that time and you get, if you sleep one hour, then you got to see. If you sleep two of those hours, you get a B. If you sleep three of those hours, you get an A, okay? That's how he, the grade system. And so I'm telling you, within two weeks, I was perfectly fine. Two weeks, that's it. Because I, I, I personally believe in the most simple... I think, I think we did a podcast on this before. General problems have general solutions. Headaches, falling asleep, your skin is not really that good, right? Um, what else? Um, your joints are messed up. Your body's aching all the time. Uh, your, your weight is a problem. Okay, like you're constantly feeling bloated or something like that. All of these things, general problems, they got general solutions. Your emotions are down. You've got general solutions. And those general solutions is hydration, sleep, stretching. Because we don't really do stuff anymore with our bodies. We're sitting all day. Stretching is, our, is especially the talib ilm life, the masjid life, it's all sitting down. So you've got to stretch all the time as much as you can. Stretching. And stretching is not even difficult. My friend, he's an expert in all this stuff. And, and we had him on a podcast one time. Um, he said that the stre- when you stretch, you're not supposed to stretch hard. Just an average stretch. But hold it for a period of time around three minutes. All right? You're not supposed to be like really stretching because you can hurt yourself. Basically, you've got to stretch. And he said the body has something, it's almost like a, almost you can, he said, like a saran wrap around the body. A stretchy saran wrap around the body. If you stay still, it closes up and shrinks and you feel it. No matter what you stretch, you end up stretching the whole thing. The whole saran wrap around your body, right? It stretches. Like a, imagine it's like a piece of rubber around your body. Wherever you stretch, you loosen the whole thing up. So you don't have to actually stretch every single muscle to get the effect. So then, sun, sitting in the sun, right? All these northern climates, Scandinavia, I don't even believe it's natural for humans to live there, right? You're, you're going to have to change. So come out down to the equator where all the rest of humanity lives, right? Has always lived from the dawn of time. Only since they created heat and stuff that people could live up there. So... You live the sun 
friends. You got to have friends. If you don't have friends, just go to the masajid. Just say salam to people. You'll be around people all the time. To me, when I lived in London, uh, going to the masjid was the cure. Just go to the masjid. Like all the time. Maghrib, Isha, Asr, Dhuhr, anytime. Just to see humans. That was a big deal. And then the food you eat. Processed sugar to me, I think it's like uh, too much highs and lows and ruins your teeth and everything. Uh, caffeine addiction, I think, is no good. Right? To be to be dictated by caffeine. And you can't sleep then when you want to sleep. Let's say I need to sleep at, let's say, 9.30, I'm going up. It sounds crazy. It sounds like you're a child, right? But it feels so good. And you will naturally get up in the middle of the night. So general ailments have general solutions. All right. Uh, Maham says, I did not get a cheap one. I got Lumi. It has decent reviews on Amazon. I think it just stops working for you after you have had it. Like it doesn't trick my brain because my brain knows it's fake. All right. Cozy Chloe says, do you think Fajr cuts our sleep cycle in half and thus lowers our sleep quality and mood the next day? If you sleep late, that's why Fajr is a problem. For most people, like, I can't believe we're waking up for Fajr. How are we supposed to, you know, be effective? That's because this, you're supposed. It, it, Sharia almost or Sunnah almost forces us to sleep early, if you think about it. So that Fajr is not such a thing. Fajr should be a natural wake up, and then we also have something called the Qailula, which is any time from Duha to Dhuhr, and it should not pass more than an hour of a nap. All of Spain does that too. They have that siesta they call. Ibrahim Junaid says how can one manage sleep while in college you take a nap because they have to study during you have to take some sleep between 10 and 1 right that's the secret what's what exactly is he asking how to sleep less or how to sleep more how do you manage it because he's saying that oh yeah sleep a lot (laughs) like you could sleep 14 hours you can sleep a lot in college but problem is people sleep in the wrong time don't take 8 a.m. That's my advice. No, don't take 8 a.m. classes. But also, don't do this thing where 9 o'clock comes around, you start perking up, you go to the student center. What are you really going to do a student center? We know what you're doing, right? <laughs> you're not studying, right? Uh, going to the library, study in your dorm, right? Uh, at that hour, you don't need to be out and about. But most, 99% of college students, they don't do what we're saying. They're, they're perking up at 9 o'clock, Okay. That's why I actually don't, th- I don't believe in these artificial environments. You take a whole bunch of youth, put them in one environment. Like 75% of the people are under 21. It's terrible for you. The best type of environment is the mixed age environment. And the mixed age environment, I'll tell you what it does. Look, what do babies have to offer? You sleep early, right? The idea of putting a baby to sleep will put you to sleep, right? Anyone who's ever done this before, putting a baby to sleep, the best way is for you to fall asleep. If you're perked up and you're reacting to their every move, they perk up. And also sit in that rocking chair, you will fall asleep. And then you'll sleep, you'll, maybe you'll, the baby's going up around 9. Like maybe it's 9.45 they sleep. You just fell asleep for 20 minutes. Boom. You, hear, you healed yourself, right? Uh, or it's a complete disaster and they got you there for 90 minutes pinned to the rocking chair. Plus, night's over. Boom, let's just go to sleep. Call it a night. Pray, I shouldn't go to sleep. Game over. You crash the whole party. Right? So, but this, the baby will adjust certain sleep because you can't make noise, right? At certain hours. So mixed, also if you have senior citizens, right? Old folks. They're out. Okay? 
late at night. They're too tired. Fatima K says, can we listen to solfagio frequencies? What is that? Well, there's only one answer. We've got to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Solfagio frequencies. What is a solfagio frequency? He spelled it. It's like Italian or something. Solfagio. Let's look it up. All nine solfagio frequencies. I'm about to get a commercial probably, but after this commercial, we'll listen. What exactly is a solfagio? So Ibrahim, Junaid, I would highly recommend you try to do this, and you're going to be abnormal in your college, but that's fine. Try to take a nap at least from 10, anywhere in the window of 10 to 1, right? Particularly 10 to 11. And then if you get up, if you have to get up, you're going to be at least sane. It's good to have one of those, one of those people in your friend's group as well. That guy that always wants to sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you have one of those. Crash the whole party. Crash the whole party, yeah. I had that. You know who it was? Who was my roommate? Molana Adil Faruqi from uh, Tinek. This guy was so disciplined. Ridiculously disciplined. 10 o'clock at the dot. He's in, he's in bed. 9 to 10 reviewing his hips. It's like a machine. Right? Disciplined. It's kind of like a machine. All right, here's Sofageo frequencies. You guys hear this? It's a synth. It's synth. It's not an instrument of that I can discern as string. Or wind. So far, so good. I don't think it's haram. I wouldn't say this is haram. So help you put, go to sleep. I don't know. I don't think it's haram though. Sofageo frequencies. It puts you to sleep. Yeah, it puts you to sleep. You can also get a bad books on tape. Like a bad book. A bad book, and just listen to it. <laughs> right? Yeah, bad. All right, let's go to Tanga. She says, or he says, "What's the app you used to use for hadith and tafsir during the time you didn't sleep? It was called, it was called uh, Shamila, Shamila, and I think they changed it where it's only online now." But it used to be a software. You download the whole software. And then I had a computer where I went to my friend. I said, make it impossible for someone to go online on this computer. And he did. He broke it completely. Right? You cannot go online on that computer. I still have it till today. Um, and you can go. And, uh, and so I would have this so searchable tafsir, fiqh, usul, salafis. Right? But uh, they have some... A lot of amazing books. Salafis made it. Probably, it must be government funded because it's so huge. The work in it is amazing. Amazing job what they did. Did they have a, like waqfiyah at that time? It was waqfiyah. Yeah, oh, okay. they had waqfiyah at that time. Waqfiyah, I think, must be government too. Water intake is a solution to a lot of physical ailments. Subhi, you're 100% right. Water is a cure to a lot of skin diseases. If you have acne, right, or you have like a, a blister on your skin, one of the solutions is... You know, dermatological is from the outside in. But also, stop eating all the foods that you normally eat and then slowly start eating one food at a time because there must be something, there could be, could be, one food that's causing that. Yeah. And then drink a lot of water, clear out your system. There's a guy, he's, 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 he's a little nuts about this. And he says that all the problems start in the gut. So he does these water fasts. And it's illegal in America. So he does it in Mexico. It's a beautiful place in Mexico. 
and he he's got a nurse on site, and you administer water all day. And these it's a bunch of people who are like passed out on the couch, and believe it or not, they will not eat for forty days straight. How insane is that? And he'll assign it. Oh, your problem, you're 18 days. Your problem, 40 days. So a lot of things like diabetes were cured by that. Just water fast. When did the Prophet eat dinner? There, there, there's not a specific time when the Prophet ate dinner. Isra says they are supposed to be healing spiritual frequencies. I don't necessarily think it's It's something that's haram because I can't discern a specific um, a specific instrument in that. It sounds like something just... I don't even know what it sounds like. It sounds like the radio that's turned to a different wavelength or, or, or whatever. And is it haram to believe in their properties? No, it's not haram to believe in a property that is by experience. And it's not of a, a belief. It's your experience. So if your experience is that when I listen to this, I fall asleep, it's not a belief. It's just your cause and effect for you. It's not a belief. A belief is something that's from transmission, right? That someone tells you and it's and it cannot be observed or experimented with. That's a belief. So it's not a belief. It's just your something that works for you. Foam rollers for stretching, says Subhi. 10,000 steps a day is what everyone uh, talks about these days. Okay. Why do people say, Ya Nabi, says Tafsir Homs? Because, number one, not all Ya Nabi is anything beyond simply that a person is, um, it could be an expression, of expression of love. Okay. But otherwise... It's by Qiyas. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ has a hadith in which he says, if you're lost in the desert or your animal roams away, say, Ya ibad Allah a'inuni. Or, Ya ibad Allah ihbisu. Imam Ahmed practiced this. Imam Nawi practiced this. Imam Nawi said it works. Because it's a hadith from the Prophet ﷺ. And it's referring to the angels. So, some of the ulama of Ahl sunnah have made Qiyas that the souls of the Prophets are greater than the souls of angels. Are, are more helpful to us than angels. So that's why they say, Ya Nabi. It's also from uh, Abdullah bin Umar, once his foot was was like really numb. So someone said to him, the cure for your numb foot is to remember someone you love. So he said, Ya Rasulullah. Okay? Or Ya Muhammadah. Because I guess when you remember someone you love, something you love, your blood moves a little bit more. And so your blood will, will move faster to your foot. So it's like that. All right, Anam, you talked about the nafs, so it is not always bad, not at all, but it has the potential to be bad. Okay. Uh, so what about the du'a, the Sayyidina Yusuf, in response to Zulaikha? Say, uh, say, say, well, it's sometimes, it's, uh, I think mostly it said that Zulaikha said that. وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي I don't make my nafs, I don't claim my nafs is innocent. In the nafs the nafs commands to evil. Yes, it it commands to evil. It has the capacity to command to evil, but it doesn't always command to evil. If a person can train his nafs, that it will not command him to evil. Like when was the last time your nafs commanded you to go drink beer? Probably never, because you're not habituated to that, right? So, but your nafs may command you to do something else. That's haram, right? So it's how we train our nafs. So the nafs has a capacity. Always has a capacity. 
to lead you to lead us to evil. It's built to desire what is low. And the soul is built, is created to feel at peace with the remembrance of Allah. And so we're in between these two things. So he says, he cut off all caffeine and did a low sugar over Ramadan and had coffee for the first time and I was shaking from the caffeine. I totally messed up. Someone got me a cup of coffee the other day after Ramadan. Haven't had coffee for a long time. I tricked my mind by having decaf. So I was happy, but I wasn't awake. Right? Decaf has like 10% caffeine. doesn't really affect you. And I had tea, which is like 25% to me at least. But I, I, it messed up my whole sleep schedule. I couldn't sleep until 1 a.m. It's a disaster. Next day I woke up in a bad mood, etc. Blah, blah, blah. And you have to fix yourself. So he works in the ER, so he's used to having six to cups, six to seven cups of coffee. Wow. Where where are you gonna work, Faison? Feet? Feet. <laughs> How about you, Oz? Teeth? Dentistry? Eyes. Ophthalmologist? So, um, laser, LASIK. That's a, that's a, I think that's how you make money. That's how you make money, but no, make you make money by opening up offices and hiring the LASIK people, hiring young doctors. Don't be the doctor. You have to be the doctor for like the first ten to fifteen years, right? Then after that, you hire these newbies. Okay. What I experienced says the freeze is if I do the right level of dhikr and Quran every day. I end up automatically waking up for Tajr. That's totally true. Allah will get you up. Um, I had a aunt. Yeah. She passed away. Allah yarham. May Allah um, What's up with this mic? Why isn't it on? Okay. Anyway, speak it. Yeah. So hmm. she said that she would tell the angels on her shoulders to wake her up. For so that's n- not a problem. Wake up every hundred percent. A hundred percent. So we have angels around us all the time, and you can talk to them. In the same way that you could talk to a regular person to ask for help. And the awliya have done that. That's what the Prophet said. Ya ibadullah a'inuni. What else, Ryan? We got any questions from the face and for, from the uh, YouTube? So, um, it was asked how many hours did the Prophet sleep or does it, are we recommended to sleep? Sleeping? It's the time. Early in the night, a little bit in the middle of the night, and then the, that nap in the day if you need it. Nap between duha to dhuhr time. The nap between duhr and asr is acceptable. Even into asr is acceptable. But the nap cutting th- over the maghrib adhan, deadly. It will mess your head up. That you sleep while it's laid out, you wake up and it's night out. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever does that, okay, if your mind is lost, don't blame anyone except yourself. Okay, Caitlin says... How do you make salawat more effective and increase its efficacy? By focus. By imagining that you're sitting in front of the Messenger or that you've traveled to Medina to sit in front of in his masjid or that you've went to sit in front of him. Use your mat. That's This is what Imam uh, 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 Dr. Jim, what was his name? SubhanAllah, his name skipped my mind. Mustafa al-Badawi, he said, this is what the imagination is used for. This is the right use of the imagination. Sacred use. Imagine yourself there, transported there, and do your salawat there. Right? Use that imagination of yours. That's how you use it. Imagination is not just for kids to imagine cars and, and, and to- playing and stuff. Yeah? MashaAllah. 
from like the Nur of the Prophet coming into yeah subhanAllah Nebat says what's the best way to balance finals without rem- neglecting the remembrance of Allah it's simple he's just you put set times and you have short awrad short bursts 10 minutes here 10 minutes there 10 minutes there I would be the opposite right <laughs> and then 10 minutes study <laughs> Are we allowed to use names like Jalal al-Din? Yes. For our children? You can. Nothing wrong with that. Can we ask angels to give us signs? Allah Adam. Asking them is not a, anything. You ask. It's not shirk. Right? It's like asking me a person. Right? I don't, I, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, about the effectiveness I do know that it's not going to be shirk or anything the Prophet said Ya Ibadullah A'inuni O slaves of Allah angels help me I'm lost you can ask for help right if you're lost just like you can ask a human being so from that aspect permissibility fine not a problem At will it if work Allah in the same way if I ask a human being to help me will he help me maybe maybe not what would be the difference between asking an angel versus like asking Allah? So like when you were talking about like getting up to Fajr, right? What would be the difference between like asking Allah to help you get up to the Fajr versus asking Allah? What's the difference between asking Allah and asking an angel? The intent of asking is to use the means Allah gave us. So in the same way, when my car breaks down, I ask Allah, oh Allah help me. Then I go to the mechanic. I say, can you help me? You do both. So you do both. I never understand why in our minds have a bifurcation, right? In real life, there's no bifurcation. Oh, Allah, I need this car to be fixed tomorrow. Hey, Mr. Mechanic, can you fix this by tomorrow? I did both. I did the one because that's an obligation to ask the means, take the means, right? Now, if I don't have a mechanic, then I just make dua. Oh, Allah, let this car start. Now, you've been on the highway and your car's about to go down. You make dua. That's all you have. I have nothing else, Right? But if I had a mechanic, I would be obligated to ask the mechanic to help me. So that's the idea. Once you believe in malaika's aid, you're asking them becomes no different than asking a mechanic or asking someone for directions. Wouldn't extrinsic extrinsic sounds keep your brain active, which will impact your sleep? I don't know. I have the opposite experience. Whenever there's some kind of repetitive sound, it puts me to sleep. Um... Maham is asking, what is it called again? It's called Solfagio, but it's not spelled the way you spelled it. It's spelled, let's go to YouTube here, S-O-L-F-E-G-G-I-O. How do you increase your barakah in life? Help people who are um, vulnerable. In any circle that you see someone who doesn't have a lot of friends, pull them in. If you have elders, make them happy. Your parents, of course, you're going to get barakah from that. You're going to get barakah by helping the vulnerable. In any gathering that we're ever in, we have to look and make sure no one feels left out. right? Because that's where the barakah comes from. Prophet ﷺ said, Allah Ta'ala has given you victory by your poor. The poor and the vulnerable, that's why we're given victory. Why? Because their hearts are broken by their dua and their sincerity. Is why we're given victory. We have a Fayyazuddin. May Allah Ta'ala bless your parents. He says, in the story of Adam and Iblis, Adam made dua for istighfar, but blamed himself. 
In Surah Al-Kahf, Musa's companion blamed Shaitan for making him forget. How do we understand these two circumstances? Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam, he blamed himself, okay? He took responsibility for himself and he made istighfar. Sayyidina Musa's companion, which was, it is said to be, it was um, Yusha bin Nun, Joshua. Yusha bin Nun. That he said, uh, Shaitan must have caused me to forget it. Right? He didn't remove the responsibility. He took responsibility for himself. But he just pointed to the cause. Okay? It's a great observation pointing to the fact that it is permissible to, if I take responsibility to make an excuse of what actually happened. Right? Uh, I take responsibility. They, he caused me to do it, but I take responsibility. They're in both cases, they're taking responsibility. All right, folks, we have to stop there. Oh, the, what is the book that we're reading? Shama'il At-Tirmidhi. An old copy of Shama'il At-Tirmidhi. The Indian prints where you could see, mashallah, efficient. You see both pages. You see both sides of the page because the print... Remember those Indian prints where the, the, they printed paper on really cheap paper, books on really cheap paper. You see both sides of the page. Indian print. But it's Shama'il At-Tirmidhi. So we read. Uh, no, Subhi. 40 days only water. Right? 40 days only water. Uh, the, what we were talking about, this guy, they, he has this documentary about him where no food. And you go 10 days, 5 days, 20 days, sometimes up to maximum 40 days, water only. Right? No food in the body. And a lot of ailments, according to his testimony, and his patients, were cured because of that. I'm not saying that that's what we should do, but it clearly is a sign that a lot of sleep, uh, a lot of problems are causing the gut and if you want to purify even your mood attack your gut empty it out starvation and water tea coffee is fine but attack that gut and put let it have no food for 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 hours on end right you'll find a change in yourself Does it depend on the temperature of the, of the i think it's a, of the liquid yeah yeah i think the warm temperature will will brighten up your spirits a little bit but also the temperature of the day. Like if you do this in the winter, you can get yourself the opposite. Like you'll be really cold. It is, is it allowed to make a dua to see a tajalli? Yes. Make a dua for Allah to give you signs? No problem in that. Listening to Tibetan healing bowl frequencies. I would probably go against that. Because it, it, it just reminds me of these shirki environments. Right? There's always a statue or an idol involved in some shit going on. That... I would be against that. Can you write the Qiyas wording in the YouTube box so we can access it? Ya Allah. Boom. Oops, it, it said ta, but I meant ya Allah. All right, folks, we're going to have to stop here. And remember, folks, Mecca Books, Professor One to One, and your own support to us is going to be by patreon.com backslash Safina Society. You got that? Patreon.com backslash Safina Society. And then our classes. 
arcview.org. And I have to go early today. Subhi needs your dua. His program ends tomorrow, and his last final is tomorrow. Oz also has a midterm today. What do you have, a quiz? What do you have? A final in what? What subject? Data analysis. Sounds like a, a mathematical related type of, right? No, I'll Spreadsheets. He gave us all the answers, so inshallah it's something. Okay. All right. So he has a final today. What time is your final? Uh, 8 o'clock. We have that 6.30 meeting. Yeah. You got to study at That's 6. Why That's when he's going to start no, studying. I'm not That's why. Uh, <laughs> it's not a class you study for. It's a class that you just show up. I got you one of those. Okay, that's good. May Allah help you, and may Allah help Subhi and all the other students who are studying. Um, and Jasmine Malik, relationship between listens to frequencies and third eye sciences. Uh, all right, you're going to need to tell us more about that tomorrow because that it is pretty interesting what you're saying. Um, it's interesting. You need to tell us about that. I'm going to read up about that. Third eye sciences. Never even heard of it. Al Basira, I guess. It sounds dejatic. Third eye, one eye, blind in one eye. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk. Wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasubu al-haq. Wa tawasubu al-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum.